Chapter One of A Visit to Three Fronts, June 1916. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Visit to Three Fronts, June 1916, by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter One, Part Two. In the old days we had a great name as organizers and then came a long period when we deliberately adopted a policy of individuality and go as you please now once again in our sore need we have called on all our power of administration and direction but it has not deserted us we still have it in a supreme degree even in peacetime we have shown it in that vast well-oiled swift-running noiseless machine called the British Navy but now our powers have risen with the need of them the expansion of the Navy has been a miracle the management of the transport a greater one the formation of the new army the greatest of all time to get the men was the least of the difficulties to put them here with everything down to the lid of the last field saucepan in its place that is the marvel the tools of the gunners and of the sappers to say nothing of the knowledge of how to use them are in themselves a huge problem but it has all been met and mastered and will be to the end but don't let us talk any more about the muddling of the war office it has become just a little ridiculous i have told of my first day when i visited the front trenches saw the work of mother and finally that marvelous spectacle the Apres salient at night i have passed the night at the headquarters of a divisional general capper whom i truly be called one of the two fathers of the british flying force for it was he with templar who laid the first foundations from which so great an organization has arisen my morning was spent in visiting two fighting brigadiers cheery weather-beaten soldiers respectful as all our soldiers are of the prowess of the hun but serenely confident that we can beat them in company with one of them i ascended a hill the reverse slope of which was swarming with cheerful infantry in every stage of dishabille for they were cleaning up after the trenches once over the slope we advanced with some care and finally reached a certain spot from which we looked down upon the German line it was the advanced observation post about a thousand yards from the German trenches with our own trenches between us we could see the two lines sometimes only a few yards as it seemed apart extending for miles on either side the sinister silence and solitude were strangely dramatic such vast crowds of men such intensity of feeling and yet only that open rolling countryside with never a movement in its whole expanse the afternoon saw us at the square in ypres it is the city of a dream this modern pompeii destroyed deserted and desecrated but with a sad proud dignity which make you involuntarily lower your voice as you pass through the ruined streets it is a more considerable place than I had imagined with many traces of ancient grandeur No words can describe the absolute splintered wreck that the Huns have made of it the effect of some of the shells had been grotesque One boiler-plated water tower a thing forty or fifty feet high was actually standing on its head like a great metal top There is not a living soul in the place 
save a few pickets of soldiers and a number of cats which become fierce and dangerous now and then a shell still falls but the huns probably know that the devastation is already complete we stood in the lonely grass-grown square once the busy center of the town and we marveled at the beauty of the smashed cathedral and the tottering cloth hall beside it surely at their best they could not have looked more wonderful than now if they were preserved even so and if a heaven-inspired artist were to model a statue of belgium in front belgium with one hand pointing to the treaty by which prussia guaranteed her safety and the other to the sacrilege behind her it would make the most impressive group in the world it was an evil day for belgium when her frontier was violated but it was a worse one for germany i venture to prophesy that it will be regarded by history as the greatest military as well as political error that has ever been made had the great guns that destroyed liage made their first breach at verdun what chance was there for paris those few weeks of warning and preparation saved france and left germany as she now is like a weary and furious bull tethered fast in the place of trespass and waiting for the inevitable pole-axe we were glad to get out of that place for the gloom of it lay as heavy upon our hearts as the shrapnel helmets did upon our heads both were lightened as we sped back past empty and shattered villas to where just behind the danger line the normal life of rural flanders was carrying on as usual a merry sight helped to cheer us for scudding down wind above our heads came a bosch aeroplane with two british at her tail barking away with their machine guns like two swift terriers after a cat they shot rat-a-tatting across the sky until we lost sight of them in the heat haze over the german line the afternoon saw us on the sharpenberg from which many a million will gaze in days to come for from no other point can so much be seen it is a spot forbid but a special permit took us up and the sentry on duty having satisfied himself of our bona fides proceeded to tell us tales of the war in a pure hull dialect which might have been chinese for all that i could understand that he was a terrier and had nine children were the only facts i could lay hold of but i wished to be silent and to think even perhaps to pray here just below my feet were the spots which our dear lads three of them my own kith have sanctified with their blood here fighting for the freedom of the world they cheerily gave their all on that sloping meadow to the left of the row of houses on the opposite ridge the london scottish fought to the death on that grim november morning when the bavarians reeled back from their shot-torn line that plain away on the other side of ypres was the place where the three grand canadian brigades first of all men stood up to that damnable cowardly gases of the hun down yonder is hill sixty that blood-soaked copy the ridge over the fields was held by the cavalry against two army corps and there where the sun strikes the red roof among the trees i can just see gelvild a name forever to be associated with haig and the most vital battle of the war as i turn away i am faced by my hull territorial who still says incomprehensible things i look at him with other eyes he has fought on yonder plain he has slain huns and he has nine children could any one better epitomize the duties of a good citizen 
I could have found it in my heart to salute him had I not known that it would have shocked him and made him unhappy It has been a full day and the next is even fuller for it is my privilege to lunch at headquarters and to make the acquaintance of the commander-in-chief and of his staff it would be an invasion of private hospitality if i were to give the public the impressions which i carried from that charming chateau i am the more sorry since they were very vivid and strong this much i will say and any man who is a face reader will not need to have it said that if the army stands still it is not by the will of its commander there will i swear be no happier man in europe when the day has come and the hour it is human to err but never possibly can some types err by being backward we have a superb army in france it needs the right leader to handle it i came away happier and more confident than ever as to the future extraordinary are the contrasts of war within three hours of leaving the quiet atmosphere of the headquarters chateau i was present at what in any other war would have been looked upon as a brisk engagement as it was it would certainly figure in one of our desiccated reports as an activity of the artillery the noise as we struck the line at this new point showed that the matter was serious and indeed we had chosen the spot because it had been the storm center of the last week the method of approach chosen by our experienced guide was in itself a tribute to the gravity of the affair as one comes from the settled order of flanders into the actual scene of war the first sign of it is one of the stationary sausage-shaped balloons a chain of which marks the ring in which the great wrestlers are locked we pass under this to ascend a hill and find ourselves in a garden where for a year no feet save those of wanderers like ourselves have stood there is a wild confused luxuriance of growth more beautiful to my eye than anything which the care of man can produce one old shell hole of vast diameter has filled itself with forget-me-nots and appears as a graceful basin of light blue flowers held up as an atonement to heaven for the brutalities of man through the tangled bushes we creep and then across a yard please stoop and run as you pass this point and finally to a small opening in a wall whence the battle lies not so much before as beside us for a moment we have a front seat at the great world drama god's own problem play working surely to its magnificent end one feels a sort of shame to crouch here in comfort a useless spectator while brave men down yonder are facing that pelting shower of iron there is a large field on our left rear and the german gunners have the idea that there is a concealed battery therein they are systematically searching for it a great shell explodes in the top corner but gets nothing more solid than a few tons of clay you could read the minds of gunner fritz try the lower corner says he and up goes the earth cloud once again perhaps it's hid about the middle i'll try earth again and nothing more I believe I was right the first time after all says hopeful Fritz and so another shell comes into the top corner The field is as full of pits as a gruyere cheese, but Fritz gets nothing by his perseverance Perhaps there never was a battery there at all one effect. He obviously did attain He made several other British batteries exceedingly angry stop that tickling Fritz was the burden of their cry where they were we could no more see than fritz could 
but their constant work was very clear along the German line. We appeared to be using more shrapnel and the Germans more high explosives, but that may have been just the chance of the day. The Vimy Ridge was on our right, and before us was the old French position, with the labyrinth of terrible memories and the long hill of Lorette. When last year the French in a three weeks battle fought their way up that hill, it was an exhibition of sustained courage which even their military annals can seldom have beaten. And so I turn from the British line. Another and more distant task lies before me. I come away with a deep sense of the difficult task which lies before the army, but with a deeper one of the ability of these men to do all that soldiers can ever be asked to perform. Let the guns clear the way for the infantry, and the rest will follow. It all lies with the guns, but the guns in turn depend upon our splendid workers at home, who, men and women, are doing so grandly. Let them not be judged by a tiny minority, who are given perhaps too much attention in our journals. We have all made sacrifices in the war, but when the full story comes to be told, perhaps the greatest sacrifice of all is that which labor made, when, with a sigh, she laid aside that which it had taken so many weary years to build. End of chapter 1